So welcome everybody to the episode number fifth. Th- 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 Let me start again. Hi there. I'm Brian Colon, and I'm the creator of Rampage, the arcade game, among others. And you're listening to the Pie Factory podcast with Sean and Jim. Unless I'm not supposed to say their names because the kind of stuff they put out there probably makes me think they want some anonymity. However, the fact that I misplaced, misplaced, mispronounced anonymity means that this whole thing is for shit, and I, that's why I probably shouldn't do intros. So, welcome everybody to the episode number 73 of the Pi Factory. Oh, sorry, Factory. In fact, there was a letters were flipped around in my my uh, episode notes here. Pi Factory podcast, and this is Shockey McVinderfuss coming to you from Chicago. And with me, as always, is the charming and delightful. Oh, Uncle Jim! Uh, Jimmy Uncle G. Jim. Oh, Jimmy G. Yeah. Well, if I you're don't not Uncle stay. Jim, then I then I guess I have to be Sean. You have to be Sean. Or as Kevin Zurb once called me very, very recently, Sean C. Sean C. I don't know where that comes from, but yes. oh well. Uh, what he? I'll be what he wants me to be. Say. It's whatever I can be from here. He's all the way over in Connecticut. So, uh, Connecticut. Nothing I can do much from here other than be Sean C. So that's for you, Kevin. And, uh, and a shout out to Jerry, also in Connecticut. Thank you for listening, Jerry. And uh, Jimmy G, what are what have you been up to in the past? Uh, oh, however many days it's been since we recorded a episode. Well, people saw me do a live feed of uh, one of the games we're going to be talking about tonight. Been playing a lot of, uh, been going through a lot of games on my uh, on my sixty five XE over here, Ooh. and uh, there's some really good ones. And then, so then there's a whole bunch that are just like, huh, the hell, and. Um, that sounds yeah. typical of Atari systems during the uh, Tramel era. Well, but the thing is, most of these games were like Warner era. Warner, well, Warner, Warner era. I almost said Warner era as well, too, though. Hmm. But uh, I'm I'm just talking in general. I mean, I'm not talking just like the Atari stuff. But uh, uh-huh. uh, it seems like there was one recently I was playing. Um, one thing I I hate, and I mentioned it before, that it's not going to be as easy to upgrade the memory on my. Uh, on my 65XE because it's just not the right model to do an easy upgrade. Um, it's still po- a memory upgrade. It's still possible. It's just I don't want to solder it and potentially ruin it. Uh, but um, I'm just kind of disappointed that I can't run the uh, the Space Harrier port for the 65XE because of its size. There was another po- uh, game port. Well, how much six- does it require? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I... You know what? It might not have been the memory issue. It might have been the... Um, uh, that it just won't run on the Uno cart. I'll have to look at oh, that okay. again. Interesting, but um, but yeah. So I've been playing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I've always liked the game Hero on the twenty six hundred and whatever I've platform. I've never played it. I've and never played that. It's really good on the sixty five XE. And in fact, um, speaking of other Activision games, I've always been kind of meh toward River Raid. I mean, I don't hate really? it, but it's not one of my favorite games. You are dead to me. However, on the sixty five XE. That game is wild. It is awesome really? on the 65, uh, 65XE because they have a lot of added things. they got tanks that go over the bridges, and you can get some bonus points by shooting the bridge while the tank is driving over it. Uh, and then the tanks will fire into the water, and then there's hot air mm-hmm. balloons, and then the, the river is, like, all wavy. Uh, and yeah. uh, it's, it is so fun. 
Now, will that run on any Atari 8-bit computer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I'll have to try it then. Yes. I still haven't taken out the... Oh, man. Mr. Do was the last and only game I played on this 600XL that I have under my desk here. I still haven't pulled out this 8-bit computer and tried other things with it, and I have the multi-cart. Oh, I gotta. Yeah. And the other night, uh, I was playing uh, playing some uh, two-player paddle games with my son. Well, no, actually, just two-player games with my son in general. And um, he was doing okay at Joust. Um, then we got the paddles out, and we were playing Castle Crisis, which is the nice Warlord's port to the uh, to the to the 8-bit computer line. And um, I had never played it before, but we played the uh, the two-player Kaboom, where one person is the uh, the Mad Bomber, the Mad and the other wow. person is. Uh, trying to catch the bombs, and that is wicked fun. Hmm. Oh, that is really fun. Uh, if you've Multiplayer never tried... games tend to be fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, the two-player paddle games? <laughs> wow. <laughs> really, really fun. And uh, what else did we play? Uh, we played Mario Brothers. He didn't do so good at that, because he was, I think he was playing it like uh, like Super Mario Brothers, and you can't play the original Mario Brothers like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. The mechanics are different, as we've talked about here on the podcast a few times. And uh, I think and, I don't think uh, I've really been playing much of anything else other than stuff on that. Been getting stuff ready uh, to go to uh, go somewhere in about a week and a half. Uh, oh, yeah, do, do tell. Yeah, where are uh, you going? Oh, I am going to go to Milwaukee. Oh, really? I'm going to go to Milwaukee yeah. too. Why? Because I figured it'd be a nice getaway. You know, the Get wife and me just have a weekend away. You know, yeah. there's not enough snow in Illinois, so we want to go to Milwaukee, which is over the border. Behind the cheddar curtain, you hater. Maybe yeah, we'll visit. Course. I was thinking about popping in and visiting uh, Bob Shermack. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh, but, yeah. I, uh, I don't do know if I'm going to be going near. Uh, uh, where's he huh. from? He's from Racine. I think. Is it Racine or the other place? Uh, it was. Um, uh, excuse me. Oh, yeah. That. Well, there's a lot of that in uh, Milwaukee, too. Well, uh, I am drinking a Linen Kugel's Grapefruit Shandy. Shandy. Uh, courtesy of. Uh, the Jake Lion Kugel Brewing Company of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, a brewing legend since 1867. Uh, Lion Kugel. Hey, Jake, Jake, come, 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 uh, sponsor us. Pay it, pay us for saying that. Pay us for saying that. Yeah, seeing as all you drink is shandies, I'm not going to make the, uh, the M&M joke. So. Uh, that, that is not true. That is not true. In fact, this is the first shandy I've had in a while. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, Saturday, this past Saturday was uh, the day before Easter, and my parents came up to visit from the greater metropolitan Crest Hill area, and I had a Guinness for brunch. Really? I love Guinness. Did That's I usually my go-to. Ever tell you about the time that I went with to, with my brother to uh, what they call Dark Lord Days? It's at, um, God, what the hell's the name of the brewing company? It's uh, Three Floyds over in Indiana. I oh, think they're okay. like in Hammond or Whiting or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. They're in Munster, actually. What Munster? Okay, uh, it's uh, it's a weird deal. I mean, they you have to be on their text list to get tickets, and then you have to be able to go get the tickets for the thing. Uh, you know, once you get the text message, I mean, they're they're. Hmm. But uh, it, it, it's a real ordeal, and then of course there's a line to get in once you have your tickets, and then um, you can also buy uh, some of the Ooh. other beers they have there. They had a jalapeno one which I wanted to buy, but I couldn't because. It's the way they have it set up. But uh, the thing is, is, I actually had more fun waiting in line <laughs> to get into the place because there were people in line with beers from all over the world. Really? And it's uh, it's kind of an unwritten rule. My brother told me about this. 
that you have to um, bring like a cup with you, uh, like a red solo cup or whatever, because people will be going up and down the line, uh, inviting you to sample uh, beers from all over the world. Now, people that know me know that I do not like raspberries at all. I hate them. Someday, maybe I'll relay the incident of why I hate raspberries. But uh, this one guy had a a raspberry breakfast beer from Belgium. And I decided, ah, sure, I'll try it. And it was really, really good. First of all, I'd never heard of a a breakfast beer. But secondly, I was just amazed at how delicious it was. And and not only are people bringing bringing samples of beers from around the world, people are bringing, like, snacks and and sharing them. There was one guy who had several cases of White Castles, and he was passing them out along the lines of people waiting to get in. But uh, wow. it's a really fun event, too. I mean, they have bands playing all day and all of that, and uh, bands playing, and then you can sample all of the dar- all of the beers that uh, Free, uh, Three Floyds uh, puts out and all that. It was, it was a really fun time. I only went the one time, and I'd really like to go again. But, yeah, it's uh, it was it was an awesome time, but uh, as, as uh, beers go, so if you like that sort of thing. But still, what's that other place in Wisconsin that's just over the border that I can't think of? It's not Racine. Um, Kenosha? Kenosha. That's what it was. That's what I was yes. thinking of. Is that what is it? Maybe that's where Bob Shearmax was. He's know. in one of them, and then the Mars Cheese Castle is in the other. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of which, the reason one of the things I'm going to do while I'm in Milwaukee, in fact, for the most part that I'm in Milwaukee, now that I think about it, there's a little event that's going to happen. It's for video game people. It's called, well, actually, not just video game people, but for any game people, but it's called Midwest Gaming Classic. Oh, dude. Have you ever heard of it? You know what? That's the same weekend as the uh, as the Milwaukee Cheese Festival, and I, was, and I bought my tickets for that. Damn it. There's only one cheese festival in Milwaukee? Well, there's only one on that day. So the 14th and 15th is one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, the way they do time zones in, in Milwaukee is weird. Just go with it. Was this at Cheesetopia? That's it. That's actually this coming weekend. That's that's oh, a week man, early. I got my so hotel go room both. and everything late for the, the, the weekend after. Oh, dang it. Just book a hotel room for now. You can go to both. Oh, never mind. It's sold out. Well, it's sold out because you bought one of the tickets. Wherever will I get my cheese now? I'll have to probably mm. stop in at the Mars Cheese Castle. Yeah, for to get cheese that you can probably get for about 60% that price in any other place. Well, yeah, there's going to be Midwest Gaming Classic, yeah. and uh, I have a surprise for you. Oh? I got a Pie Factory podcast table in the vendor hall. <gasps> no. Yeah. Are you going to be vending pies, like cheese pies? Well, no, because I'm too cheap to pay the taxes, so I'm uh. not going to be selling anything. How about you? you, you, you wanna, do you want to join the uh, Pie Factory podcast table? Why, sure. Oh, awesome. Then I guess we're both going to be at Midwest Gaming Classic at... Uh, um, I forgot the name of the place, but it's in downtown Milwaukee. The Wisconsin Center. Wisconsin Center. That was right. Wisconsin, Wisconsin Center. Center. I have thought about actually going uh, across the way to the Potawatomi Bingo Casino there to check it out. But, yeah, you know, casinos yeah, don't want my a, money. You're not an 80-year-old grandmother with fat arms who smokes constantly. So, Well, there's no smoking in the casino, though, so. Oh, really? I don't think so. Not in Milwaukee. Oh, I think you huh. can't really smoke anywhere anymore. Because you certainly can smoke in Vegas casinos and the Four Winds in uh, New Buffalo. Okay, well, maybe those, but I don't think you can. Just you think- the casino areas, not the actual stores and Yeah, I don't think areas. you can smoke at the, Pot- at the Potawatomi. Wow, this is Tangents Weekly. Tangent Weekly, oh. 
Oh, we're doing this every week now? Damn it. I don't want to go back to being a weekly podcast. No, just the tangents. Just the tangents. Yeah, we're not doing the podcast weekly. We're doing the tangents weekly. We're doing the tangents. Okay, yeah. so, uh, oh, well, I'm glad that you asked me what I've been up to since we so, last hey, Sean, podcasted. What have oh, you been up yes. to? Oh, what have Ooh, I, I been up to? Uh, about six foot two. Hey. Same. And let me see. Um, that's something we, oh, yeah, I was going to say something. I was just going to say something we need to add to the soundboard, but... Uh, for now, yeah, the sound the soundboard's broken tonight. We have to have it fixed. Yeah. So, so uh, I was gonna say, add Tom, Tom Servo. Have every th- add Tom Servo saying, "Say, yes." Yeah, fr- freaking Hyde Saint Pierre has to do all the work this time, Too bad. which means it'll take forever for this podcast to get out. And in fact, you might Thanks, be listening Hyde. to it after we have gotten back from Midwest Gaming Classic. Yeah, right. But oh man, uh, well, I for one thing, uh, what have you been playing? Who f- People who follow us on Facebook saw that I visited a new gaming place, not terribly far from me, probably about six, seven miles away. It's called Izzy's Arcade Bar. Ah, yes. And and the thing about that is uh, the machines there are maintained by our friend George Spanos, the Hands of Fate. Spanos. And uh, I got to say, he keeps those things in really good shape. I was really super impressed. He seems to know what he's doing, unlike me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, they, they have an amazingly good selection. I mean, it's not huge, but it's pretty impressive. They got a good variety over there. They have uh, most of the core classics, most of the core classics. They have a lot of newer stuff. They have some uh, one-on-one fighting games. I think they have the first three mortal misspelled combats. Uh, they have three of the new stern pinball machines, including Ghostbusters, uh, and, and the, oh, what the heck game was it that's all the way in the back? They have three candy cabs and a bench. Candy cabs? A really nice bench. Hey, don't let Sean and Victor know that we don't really know for sure what candy cabs are. Oh, they okay. said they saw Uncle Pooh cabinet when they were growing up. They did not. No. The lying gets. But nice play. It was a nice place. I really, I, I didn't stay long because my wife was out of town. I was home alone and I didn't want the dog to be alone for too long. So I, I just stayed for maybe an hour, played a couple of games, played a game of Donkey Kong, played a game of centipede. And but did you play Donkey King? Donkey King. And that, so, and uh, the day before I actually went to underground retrocade and I was just not in good shape that day. Oh, <laughs> I, cause I just really wanted to go there. I hadn't been there in a long time. But I, I, I felt terribly sleep deprived, but I was like, no, I must go to West Dundee. And one of the reasons was I, I, I was thinking maybe I should just sleep for a while and go later. But then I remembered there's that new coffee and donut shop that opened up across the street. It's, oh, uh, yeah. Craft donuts. Uh, Scott has been uh, raving about that place. Yeah. And everybody's saying, oh, you got to get there early or else they're going to run out of donuts. So it's like, OK, I'll force myself to go. So I did. I went and had a couple of donuts. They were nice. They, they were just like any other donuts, to be quite honest with you. But it's they have a nice vibe there. Friendly staff. Highly recommended just for that. Nice hot chocolate. Thinking of something, I actually was at Underground Retrocade two weeks ago. Yeah, you were. And I was there one week ago. Yeah. And hmm. I, 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 I was just not feeling it, dog. I was not feeling it. Man, I sucked at everything <laughs> that day. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to quit. I'm going to go home. I'll come back another time. <laughs> I was just so burnt. I was just so unwell. Mm-hmm. I I went home and I just collapsed and watched The Simpsons and took the dog outside, fed the dog and What'd you feed the to dog bed. to? I fed the dog to the world. Ah, I think. So the world could enjoy her. I'm just trying to think. I've I what 
I want to think I put up like a, a a personal high score on something, but I was like, nah, and I didn't take a picture of it. Um, I was I know I was getting ah. frustrated with Moon Patrol because I know I can do a lot better on that game than I was doing mm. that day. Uh, here's the thing: I got in there, and uh, you know I paid my admission fee, and um, uh, the first thing Scott showed me was that uh, that handheld Oregon Trail thing that they're selling at Target. Oh yeah, and uh, then he's like, "Hey, come over here and look at this." And he has an Apple II sitting up on his counter, and I was there for like thirty minutes just playing Oregon oh, Trail geez. on the Apple II. Oh man, <laughs> I, honestly, I had never played the game back when it was uh, was when it was first released. I think I played it for the first really? time like about three four years ago. You know, you may have been too old to have played it that because that was mostly aimed at grade schools. Like I was in seventh grade, I think, when it was out. Mm-hmm. So. And of course, grade schools had Apple twos. And uh, where I went to school, we had Apple twos. Well, we had Apple twos in, in the high school where I went. Uh, excuse me. And that's actually the name of the high school. Well, Plainfield, yeah, but, close enough. Yep, they now have five high schools. Five. Now, but yes, I thought they had three. Five. Central. At least according to my my niece, who's a graduate. So north. Oh, they have an east. Unless my niece was lying to me all this time, and that they're really, I don't um, know. But. <laughs> you lied to me about how many high schools Plainfield has. Now I can never trust you for anything ever again. I'm telling you. Yeah. Man. Some people, I'm telling you. But anyway, yeah, we're going to be at Midwest Gaming Classic. And speaking of Racine and everything, I, yeah, I'll yeah, i tell you what I'm really excited about, huh. and I can't wait to see, the Guys Games and Beer exhibit. They always have. Oh, God, yes. They, they, they are all. They always have a, a great. I don't know how they're going to do it this year since it's not going to be at the hotel. It's going to be at a big convention center. But they usually had that huge room with all those vintage uh, gaming systems. And I know and exactly why stuff. you're excited about this. You pointed this out to me, and um, yeah, holy crap, they got something big. I'm wondering if uh, we should met, we should mention what they've got going on there, or maybe we should just uh, wait and and do an well, interview. They, they with already them. posted the video. Oh yeah, that's true. But why don't you tell tell our listeners what they've got going on? I'll tell our friends. Since you pointed that out to me, on. guys, games and beer. They are a kind of a, a podcast slash YouTube show based out of Racine, Wisconsin. Oh, by the way, uh, is it just me, or did they uh, did they just um, separate uh, Beer Court off into its own podcast? Oh, that I don't know. I I, I haven't really been following lately. I've just been so behind. But anyway, uh, they, they, the but new- anyway, but yeah, they take the beer part very, and they are really nice guys oh, they are. too. They really are. They are super nice guys. Oh gosh, last year um, at the show, um, when after, they they interviewed us a little bit. I mean, they did that the year before as well. And uh, for I don't know how they did this, but they had they gave me and Sh- or they gave Sean and I, um, Sean and me. Sean, well, whatever. Uh, we're gonna be talking about eyes tonight. This really nice uh like beer glass that had their uh, podcast logo etched into it yeah very nice and very nice. they just gave them to us and i'm like this is like one of the nicest things i've ever been given in my life and uh you know hats off to those guys they're really awesome guys they are really awesome so but yeah i'll put we're gonna link the video in the show notes yeah the video of what we haven't actually mentioned yet yeah but i'm gonna mention now uh, if you don't, if you're going to Midwest Gaming Classic, assuming this episode gets out on time, of course, if you're going to Midwest Gaming Classic and you don't want to, you and you want to be surprised by guys, games, and beer, then uh, skip ahead by about a minute or two. Uh, what they have, they have this arcade cabinet 
what looks like an arcade cabinet, but it's actually a Vectrex cabinet. They took a Vectrex, hacked it with a 19-inch vector monitor, and a full-size arcade joystick and fire buttons and everything. So you could play an arcade-size Vectrex. And not only that, but but it also has properly sized overlays. But Sean, how do you put the overlays on? I believe by pushing a button and they automatically come down. I saw it's that. Like, that was so awesome. I think what it happened, I think it's kind of like one of those, like if you take like, like one of those old style subway trains and they have the destination curtains where it just keeps rolling and rolling until it gets to whatever the proper destination is. I was thinking is. of like one of those old overhead machines that they had in school, which had like the, the, the roll on it and you would turn yeah. the thing and it would move it. Is Yeah. And, and you just stop it when it gets to the overlay you want. I have to say just watching the video, this thing is freaking ingenious, and yeah. I cannot wait to see this in person. That is going to be so great. Yeah. But yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see that. Uh, I'm going to bring a stack of books for people to autograph that I haven't had autographed yet. Hmm. I'm going to have to see. I'm, I'm thinking about bringing my blaster card again and uh, seeing if I can't get uh, some people Ooh, to autograph that. See, David Crane's going to be there. Yeah, I, think I am looking Kitchen. forward to that. Um, which means I gotta bring some Activision stuff to have autographed. Ooh, now. I hadn't even thought of that. I have to. Did he? He did Pitfall Two. I'll have to bring my Pitfall Two cartridge. Let's see. There's. Uh, I believe Jeffrey Lee is going to be there. He usually is with Galloping Ghost. Wait, uh, actually, uh, him and uh, him and um, Brian Cullen are going to be there. They're going to be yep. uh, on a panel talking about video games that have gotten translated to movies because that's uh-huh. the same weekend that Rampage, the motion picture, is opening. Yeah, it's opening a week early. It was supposed to open uh, April 20th. Now it's opening April 13th. 13th. Unless and, happens, um, unless that's just a local thing because uh, this is where oh, a Game Refuge is. Well, that's a actually, actually, I saw an ad on the uh, on a, at a bus stop today that the, the poster did say April 13th. <gasps> did you see the picture on Facebook with Jeff Lee? He's down in South America right yes, now. Yes, I did. <laughs> and in, uh, I don't He's remember, was it Santiago. Chile or... Argentina or something, and there was a bus that had, or, or no, it was a giant billboard advertising yeah. the Rampage movie, and it said, Gigante! <laughs> First thing I thought of was Don Francisco and Sabado Gigante. Of course, who wouldn't? Sabato. Is it Sabato or Sabado? I don't remember. I, I don't I don't know. that. I took French and Latin in high school. I failed wish Spanish. I took Spanish. I really wish I did. But oh well. And uh, well, you know what? Uh, we I, I've I've talked enough, I think, personally, about non-topic stuff. Should we get on topic, perhaps? Sure. All right. So, uh, um, do we have any addenda and errata? Not that I am aware. So I, I could have sworn there was something that I had forgotten to mention that one of us I wanted to mention. think there was something. Um, did uh, I put something in my notes, maybe? I don't know. Let me see. Uh, nothing in my notes. We have one erratum, and that's that we thought we made a mistake, but I guess we didn't. Oh, actually, no, there was one thing that I forgot to mention oh. about uh, Tutankham, or as my brother Ooh, would call it, right. Tutankham. Mm-hmm. I think he still calls it that, actually. I forgot to mention that, hey, if you let that bonus timer run out, you can't fire at anything. Uh, you talk, we were talking about cheap deaths in that game. Oh, man, yeah. And you're, you're as good as dead if you can't fire. Especially in that game. That's Yep. Uh, well, man. I'm talking particularly about that game, so yeah. 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 And uh, I th- by the way, do you hear squeaking in the background? No. Well, not now, I guess. Oh, okay. All right, no, because my... Well, you know what? I hear the fan for my laptop. 
No, because my my the dog's outside of the uh, studio and uh, she's playing with her squeak toy oh, and I can hear okay. it. So I uh, squeaky. Wanted to see if our friends could hear it. But, so that's oh, well. the nice thing about having a pet hermit crab that lives on the floor below. They don't make any noise. That's Granted, true. That's they true. don't. They won't come running up to you when you get home from work and and kiss you and wag their tail. Well, neither does uh, neither does our beagle. She just uh, sleeps. Yeah. Well, true. Well, may I may I rant about something for just a moment here? Just rant real quick about something that's, that's happening. It's in the news, and no, you may not rant real quick, but you may rant really quickly, though. Uh, well, I will rant for a long time then. Okay, as many people know, that the Steven Spielberg movie Ready Player One recently came out, and it's a it's basically a video game movie where you know this kid goes into virtual reality to try to find this thing and. Whatever, there's a lot of pop culture references in it. If you've watched the trailer, you can see the the DeLorean from Back to the Future. You see Freddy Krueger. You see Chucky from the Child's Play films. Uh, you can see the ostrich from Joust. Uh, a lot of other things. Uh, apparently, I have not seen the movie yet. I really want to, but I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way to see it. But uh, early on in the movie, uh, they somehow feature the Atari 2600 game adventure. Prices of adventure on eBay have gone oh my through God. the <clears throat> yeah, I know prepare to beep f***ing roof. If you're paying $5 for a loose cartridge, no box, no manual, no nothing, that's questionable, but it's not out of line totally. If you're paying $20 for a complete in-box, that actually might be a good deal. Uh, $30 might yeah. be a more average. I don't know. I don't I don't go shopping for complete yeah, in-box. Yeah, I think I paid like $25 okay. for mine. So I'm not. I'm in the ballpark, so to speak. I saw a loose, no car, a cartridge, uh, in okay shape, with no manual, no box, no nothing, for like fifty bucks on eBay. I saw ones that are in box. The box is in bad shape, going for two hundred dollars on eBay. Going for two hundred dollars or seeking two hundred dollars. Seeking two hundred dollars. And then there's one. It was graded by this video game thing, which is a, a scam in my opinion. Uh, but it's in a nice plastic box and everything. One thousand five hundred freaking dollars for twenty six hundred adventure. Oh man, see you podcast. This is undoubtedly there's going to be their scumbag seller. Oh, it has to be. It has to be, and um, it has to be a caveat gamer on uh, retro league as retro well. Retro league, yeah. You know what? Whenever something big happens in the retro area. Uh, like in the movies and the pop culture, whatever, stay off of eBay f- and for m- for months afterwards because you are going to get screwed over. In fact, I e- I uh, I put in bids on the on a couple of them. I put a bid on the fifteen hundred dollar one. You know, is make an offer. I should say rather. I put ten bucks and I added a message. This is not worth more than ten bucks. And um, I haven't heard back. And the one that I saw that was like 40 or 50 bucks for the loose cartridge, I did the same thing except $5. And I'm like, this is not worth more than 5 bucks. And I haven't heard anything back from them. In fact, I wonder. Uh, I don't have any messages waiting for me. Uh, nope. Okay, here it is. Let me see here. Um, oh, and I left a, and I left a review on uh, on adventure uh the game itself <laughs> and uh let me see here oh yeah i left a a bid of uh ten dollars and fifty cents on the one that's fifteen hundred dollars the five dollars and fifty cents oh i'm sorry for the loose 
Wait, does that? Oh, yeah, that does have an end label. It's just the way that the picture is. Uh, I left a $5.50 offer for the one that's 80 bucks and a $6 offer on the one that's going for 40 bucks. I did leave a review. Where are my reviews at? Uh, let's see here. Wait, oh, wait. Am I having messages? No. I don't see anything about my reviews. But I basically left a review on Adventure for the 2600 because they do have reviews of just items in general, not just not review, just reviews of like the sellers. And my headline was, if you're paying more than $5 for a loose cartridge, you're getting scammed. <laughs> and I left the review uh, saying that basically that uh, since the uh, movie uh, Ready Player One came out, uh, prices on these games have gone through the roof for no good reason. Uh, if you're paying more than $5 for a loose cartridge, you're paying too much. If you paid more than uh, $20 for a bo- complete boxed copy, you're paying way too much. And uh, I got I to gotta see if that review is up. I, don't, I didn't get any, <laughs> get any message on that. And then, of course, you're going to get these people say, well, if you're looking at eBay at all f- for retro video games and you're stupid, shut up. You can get a good deal easily if you search properly. No. Well, here's what I say to that. A lot of independent video game stores, uh, resellers, are using eBay prices to price their stuff. When Force Awakens came out, prices on Empire Strikes Back for the 2600 went way through the roof. And a video game store I used to go to when I lived in Kankakee all the time, which because they use eBay, I can't recommend them for the... Well, I can't say that. They have good prices on other things. They had their Empire Strikes Back for the 2600 inside their their locked display case and it was had a oh, price geez. of like 25 bucks just a loose cartridge they're selling pitfall 2 for 20 bucks it's it's really freaking insane it's one thing if you're using actual sold prices mm-hmm. as your guide but but for what people are asking that's freaking bogus that's all there is to it and it looks like my review never got put up I will have to look into why that is. Interesting. But um, because of the nature of the movie Ready Player One, because um, in another Facebook group, I'm a member of ColecoVision Lunatics, there's a scene where the kid's actually playing a ColecoVision. Don't buy anything Coleco off of eBay currently. Look at local stores that you know have good prices that don't use eBay to set their own prices. Uh, That's a a freaking scam. Stay away from eBay until Ready Player One hype has died. That's all I'm going to say about that, because you will get screwed on prices on just about anything, especially adventure. And in fact, I noticed something about one of the sellers. There's one of them, and I want to think... Uh, one of them here I th- I've dealt with before. Um, it was the 80... Excuse me, $80 adventures from something called Happiest Seller Ever. And I believe that... Oh, God, that asshole. Yes. Mm-hmm. This person. And uh, this is the one I did a $5.50 offer on the game. And um, yes, uh, people who are on Atari age know this guy. Yep. And uh, he is not ethical at all. Uh, was this the guy that was selling the... Um, or trying to sell? Let me, let me see what else he has on here. I think this is I think this is one of those people who tries to sell homebrews for like 125 bucks. When you can get him in the Atari age store for like twenty five. He's got one thousand nine hundred and forty items for sale currently. Uh, joust sealed forty nine ninety five. Oh. Um, 
Let me see here. The arcade version, maybe. Uh, 250 feet, 12 gauge AWG indoor outdoor UV speaker wire for $59.95. Uh, I don't know really? anything about that. Speaker Some wire of is cheap. Prices seem to be okay, but uh, let me look here. Um, Dig Dug new sealed, twenty six hundred fifty bucks. Uh, no. Uh, Asteroids new sealed, forty nine ninety five. Uh, I don't think so, Tim. Um, let me see here. Loose centipede twelve ninety five. Bunch of Ms. Pacman. That's weird because these. I really am doubting that he has all of these boxes of these games sealed. All the pictures look like they're taken from a factory. Well, something I like to do with people like that is I will send them a message and say, Hey, I see that you're offering that game for such and such a price <clears throat> inflated. I got a deal for you. I have another one. I will sell it to you for half that. And that way you can make double the money. <laughs> and I never hear back from those people. Wow, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at some of. The, I don't know what the, a lot of the stuff goes for, but Congo Bongo for the Atari 400-800XL says brand new, 180 bucks. Okay, I'm calling this guy out right now for this bullshit. Brand new sealed Yars Revenge 2600, 150 bucks plus 395 shipping. If you're gonna, first of all, that is way too much for that. For that, Wait, are you, are you sure it doesn't come with uh, Howard Scott Warshaw's autograph in <laughs> blood? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, Tim. Uh, first of all, you should not be paying more than 35 bucks for that. And then on top of that, if you're paying anything over 50 bucks for something like this, shipping should be fucking included. I'm sorry. I am sorry. That is bullshit. Let me, I'm going to just pick a, one of his pages at random here. You know what? I'm going to just do one thing real quick here. I'm just going to see what his most expensive thing is here. Instead of by best match, I'm going to sort by price plus shipping highest first. Uh, Headco Working Snowmaker Model CD Snowmaking Used Machine. Okay. A CCE Color Complete Set of Atari 2600 Video Game System Games. There's nine games. He's asking $11,000. A Magnavox. Now, this one may might be Okay. Uh, Magnavox Odyssey 1 video game system prototype salesman sample. He's asking 10000 for that. But $26 shipping, shipping should be included on that. I'm sorry. Uh, just You're sorry? One more thing here. Let's see what else we got. Let's see if we can find... I would be sorry. Yeah, well... And, and like I said, some of these things I don't, I don't doubt might not be bad prices. But some of the stuff is just like... And I think this is the guy that got caught selling the, uh, the games off of Atari that you can get Atari H cheap. Complete game, Air Sea Battle, white logo letters, Atari 2600, 330 bucks. Wow, I wonder how much he'd ask for the um, gatefold version. Orange text caps, variant Raiders of the Lost Ark 2600, 329 bucks. Wait, what? It says only one left, and he's got two auctions for it. Oh, the one comes with the manual. No box, of course. 330 for a cuddle cart. Is that how, how much is a cuddle cart going for? Do you know? Oh man, I have no idea. Those things are long out of production. Okay. So that might not be too bad. But a lot of this stuff is just ridiculous. Sword Quest Water World, 250 bucks. Okay, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm. <laughs> in the, I don't know. Let's get Ferg's opinion on that. He might think it's worth it. <laughs> in the words of Master Shake, I was done with it the moment I saw it. But yeah, um, stay away from eBay for a couple of months. That's all I'm going to say. 
either that or just know exactly what you're looking for. Patronize your local store if they're not using eBay as their uh, benchmark, or if they just got really good prices. I, I on yeah. some things on some things more rare things then yes I can see using eBay as your benchmark, but uh, a lot of this crap no. So uh, rant over. But I did go to uh, video games etc. Yes, and uh, that's uh, the Sean Kelly owned store just recently opened and uh, I don't I didn't I didn't come away with a satisfying haul I gotta say no is it, the, the way video game stores are of course it's it's hit and, it's hit or miss depending on the day. They didn't have anything I was looking for, but hey, still a good store. Highly recommend it. Reasonable prices. And I think Sean told me once that he actually uses the Atari Age rarity guide to kind of help him set his prices. Well, Sean is a, well, I don't think he's a regular on the Atari Age forums anymore, but he uh, he no. used to poke his head in there quite a bit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's a, he, ma- he makes uh, multi-carts. Like he ma- there was one for the 5200, and of course... There's one for the Vectrex, which I have. and uh, If I ever got, got a Vectrex, I would definitely look into that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so lucky that the one that I got came with it. So I, I serious thing is like the Vectrex that I ended up with, it was my consolation Vectrex because I got sniped out of another one uh-huh. on eBay. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll go with this one instead. But it came with the multi-cart, so it has everything. Hey. So I just need overlays now, um, and I'm starting to work on that. I have, a, I just recently acquired a couple of overlays and, uh, oh, what the heck is, uh, that guy's name who makes custom ones, uh, Stephen Cray. I'm going to be placing an order with him soon for a few of his, mm-hmm. because I, I, there are a few games that you really, it really helps to have the overlay. You don't need, you can deal with the monochrome, but you know, the overlays, some of the games, it really helps. Did we say, uh, did you say warrior was on the Vectrex? Um, if I did, then I did it totally out of knowledge. Cause I really don't know if okay. it is. I don't think it is. I, I thought we had, I'm, I'm, I'm probably getting my conversations uh, confused. You probably are. I've played it and I, I played the arcade version. It's really fun. It really is that you need the over the arcade version. You need the overlay because the, uh, some of those cinematronics games like, uh, warrior and, um, armor dot, 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 dot attack. You need the overlay on the arcade game to actually maneuver around because the walls are not rendered on the screen mm-hmm. as you found out with warrior right when you suddenly fell down a hole and you're like what it's like yeah you need the overlay because that hole you would have known not to go there mm-hmm. so yeah but um yeah so that's some um, stuff uh you know it's been Wow, like 45 minutes. We haven't even talked about the main focus of episode 73 it seems yet. Like there was so. one other thing. No, there wasn't. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, if there was, it would be in your episode notes. No, I actually don't have episode it's, notes. I have notes, but they're not episode notes. What kind of notes were they? Uh, C flat. So a B. Yeah, seeing as I don't know much about music theory even though i was in choir it was the only class i got straight a's in and i don't know where to go from there so well why don't you go to a game let's go to a game in fact i'm gonna go to a game um i'm going to call this game turbo you know why because it's called turbo because it's called turbo that's the name of it it is a turbo it is a gremlin hold on hold on 
Huzzah, Turbo. Huzzah, Turbo. And uh, Turbo was released in October 1981, again by Gremlin Sega, and it was designed by Steve Hanawa. Have you heard that name before there, uh, Jimmy G? Steve Hanawa. No, I have not. Oh, well, this might be a fun fact for you, because he later designed, or at least helped design, the Sega Master System. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Okay, I have to ask then, why didn't Turbo appear on the Sega Master System? That would have been a perfect platform for it. Well, I that's a good question. I really don't know. Um, I did not go that deep into my research that I am presenting to our friends right now. But hey, if you ever meet him, hey, you can ask him. In fact... Here, let me Google his phone number, and I'll give it to you. You can call him and say, hey, why wasn't Turbo on the SMS? And he'll probably run screaming. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> well, not so much that, but but uh, Turbo, he considers to be the lowest point in his development career. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was a groundbreaking game. It was the first full-color sprite scaling racing game. Not the first racing game in the arcades ever, but the first full-color one. And it gave you a complete third-person perspective. You got a view of what's ahead of you, but also almost almost a bird's-eye view of your entire car. But, Steve, that was the low point of his career. Huh. Why? Well, the game itself is fine. It's more like the crap he had to put himself through to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Because the coding that he did on it, the bug fixing he had to do, his stress level shot up. And he didn't know it. But he had spontaneous pneumothorax. Well, I think he still has it, actually. I think it's one of those things where you pretty much have it for for your entire life. But I'm not a doctor. I'm a podcaster. So what do I know? Spontaneous pneumothorax. And uh, spontaneous pneumothorax causes somebody to have uh, a collapsed lung every once in a while. Not fun. Not fun. So he, he was getting stressed out over Turbo during the development phase and he suffered collapsed lungs and he had to be hospitalized for a month during the development because of that condition, because of that undiagnosed spontaneous pneumothorax. Oh, wow. So not good. Maybe when he was developing the, the uh, Sega master system, someone might've said, well, you know what? Let's put turbo. He's probably like, no, but Hey, as for turbo and thing is turbo is not the most common game out there. It's not the most common racing game out there, so it might um, be a good idea to give some explanation about it. Turbo is a racing game, and you're racing through different terrains, different uh, scenery, and all that good stuff. And the object of Turbo is to pass a minimum of 30 other cars within 99 seconds. You do that, you move on to the next round. You have a gauge above the, uh, the play field, as we'll call it for now, and that gauge tells you how many cars you've passed and it goes from red to green you want to get into the green area obviously once you're in that green area on the gauge you're home free it means that you've passed your minimum of 30 cars you're going to be driving through various weather conditions too and uh, the different scenery you'll have cities you'll have mountains lake shores tunnels sometimes you'll be driving during the day sometimes it's at night sometimes you might have wet and or icy conditions I have to say, I really love the tunnel sections. Those are really you awesome. You don't have to say that at all. Oh, okay. I won't then. It is, it is not required. Okay. The tunnels, the tunnels are kind of fun. Now, something interesting, though, and this, this isn't really necessarily gameplay that I want to talk about, but it's more like the mechanic behind it, like how things move. If you have the car perfectly centered on the screen and you never steer, it'll never go off the road. Really? 
it's really interesting how they how they did that. In fact, if you look closely, you'll notice that the road actually moves back and forth too. That's kind of like uh, what um, uh, Atari's Night Driver, the way that worked, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't really played a lot of that. That's a fun I game. don't like the arcade version, I have to say. Oh, I love the arcade version. I love the 2600 version more, but I do love the arcade version. But Yeah, I've hardly ever played the 2600 version either, huh? But it's it's very interesting. Yeah, you keep your car in the center, it won't go off-road, unless, of course, the road is icy. If the road is icy, your car will kind of bounce around, and you will have to grab the steering wheel. In fact, yeah, let's talk about the control. You have a steering wheel. It's a 360-degree optical steering wheel. So you can spin it around in a complete circle. It never comes to a stop unless you stop it yourself. Well, it, I mean, it's if you can't just spin it and it'll keep spinning freely. I'm saying it'll allow you to make complete rotations. There's a two-way gear shift, low and high, and that's on the left side of the control panel. And on the bottom of the cabinet, you have a four-position accelerator, which I don't really understand why they do that, because as far as I can tell, it's not a four-speed game. You either accelerate or you don't. Hmm. That's from my own observation. I might be wrong, but uh, turbo comes in a, f- well, not anymore. Well, do they, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some custom arcade people still make them, but back in 1981, turbo was available as a full size standup, a smaller cabaret and a sit down environmental cabinet. Uh, really? And, uh, for, I should, for the most part, any driving racing arcade game, I mean, yeah, you, the the stand up versions are fine, but uh, you really got to play them sitting down, especially the. It really, it really makes it. Better, oh, it does. And uh, I should talk about how you score points in this game. Well, the faster you go, and the shorter the amount of time it takes you to finish, the higher your score is going to be. And that's the best I can tell you about basic scoring of points. Other than that, you get a bonus based on how many cars you passed. You get fifty points per car that you passed in the first round. And then 60, 70, 80, and 90 in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds. In the sixth round, if you make it that far, the number of cars you pass, you get a bonus of 160 each. And then after that round, you get an additional 10 points per car you pass. So round six, you get 160 points per car you pass. Round seven, you get 170. Round eight, you get 180. And uh, so on and so forth. But I found a bug when I was playing this game. Now, the thing is, it might be because I had the cheats enabled in MAME and the cheats might have been interfering, but I doubt that was the case. But uh, the reason I doubt that is because other games have have a similar bug, like Nibbler, for example, has a similar display bug. It's a display bug. In Turbo, once you get past a certain level, assuming you can make it that far, that is, the number in the hundreds place and the bonus counter might actually be a different character, like a letter or an exclamation point. Oh, okay. Like I saw the bonus point, the bonus counter actually said like E50 once and like S40 or something. Mm-hmm. And I saw exclamation point, things like that. So it's a very interesting little rollover bug in a way there. Uh, eventually, it kind of corrects itself if you keep playing long enough. And uh, I noticed that the same error happens on round indicators. If you play long enough, you get far enough, you'll get a non-numeric character in the round number. So that's interesting because it does tell you what round number you're in, uh, not far from the fuel gauge. So uh, that's the scoring. Uh, and really, that's there's not much more to say about Turbo other than it's, it's, it's a racing game. You just have to get ahead. You have to pass all the cars or as many cars as you can. 
And um, that's that. It's I, I guess it was innovative because you had the changing scenery, the changing daytime, the changing hours. Did you mention the hill? What hill? There's a hill oh, in Turbo. There you go. Well, I didn't really mention the hill because I didn't really feel that it really added anything to the gameplay. Well, it, it, it's it's interesting because it's 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 like at the it's like uh, like a uh, how to explain it. It's the uh, the the bottom part of the road, the part you're on, is kind of like a trapezoid, that, like cuts off, but then it, it continues in the third person's. They're in the 3D perspective a little bit, and cars coming down will go like disappear behind a ledge and then come up over, and. Uh, it it works at first, but then once the uh, once you pass the hill segment, it, the hill just kind of like it's, it's hard to explain. It, it it loses its effect when it transitions from the hill to the next uh, to the next environment. It's uh, it, it you got to really see it to to understand what I'm talking about there. But it's uh, I think one of the very first uses of a hill in a driving video game could be. Could, I wouldn't doubt it. Actually, this was a pretty innovative game. It really was. And I was doing some looking uh, while you were talking. I was doing a little research there, and um, apparently this is uh, it's custom hardware uh, that Sega made for uh, 3D sprite scaling, and um, only two other games used this hardware, and such as Subrock 3D and uh, Buck Rogers Planet of Zoom, which is one of my favorite games. And uh, I just thought that was interesting. They only used it for those three games. I, I heard from uh, one of our friends, uh, I, I, I apologize, I forgot who it was, but he said, I'm curious as to your opinion on Turbo, so I can't wait to hear the episode. I think he was expecting me to trash Turbo, but the thing is, I can't really trash it. It's actually a pretty good game for what it is. The graphics are, are they're, they're colorful, they're nice, the sounds are decent for what it was, and I think the big thing about Turbo is the next big racing game that hit the arcades was pole position. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me from my memory that pole position was seen as a turbo killer Mm -hmm. because the the graphics were more high res. And of course, when we talked about pole position in a previous episode, I believe each of us did a dramatic reading of a correspondence between um, a joystick magazine reader and the joystick editor from the September 1983 edition. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the reader was saying, well, here, here's the setup. The April 1983 edition of Joystick Magazine, they had an article that they were calling a uh, video game beauty contest or something. And Pole Position was one of the featured games in this so-called beauty pageant. They were talking about how nice it was and everything. And this guy who wrote in to Joystick said something like, if I had a sense of humor, I would have laughed hysterically. Unfortunately, (laughs) I do not have a sense of humor. (laughs) Because he didn't like pole position. He was like, oh, all all you do is you drive around on a track and you see a couple of billboards for Centipede and Atari, and that's it. But at least with Turbo, you you actually feel like you've gone somewhere. You feel like you're actually driving somewhere. And you see day turn to night, night turn to day, and all this wonderful stuff. And I don't know. That t- to me, I I remember back when Turbo and Pole Position were basically the two racing games you would see in an arcade. I remember, yeah, Pole Position is awesome. Pole Position is way better than Turbo. That was my nine-year-old eyes looking at it. Now that I'm 43 and I'm looking back, I'm thinking, you know what? Turbo really was a pretty good game. 
And it's not really fair to compare the two games. Well, th- there, there's there's a big difference between the style of gameplay. I mean, Turbo, exactly. Turbo is more, well, arcade game. It's more arcadey in the sense that I guess the term is used now. The term arcade game is used for games that have also never seen an arcade in their life. Uh, but uh, Pole Position was aiming more for a simulation type uh, play experience. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. if you look at it through those eyes, uh, you can play and enjoy both games. Something I did find, though, when I was playing, just to see what would happen, I enabled cheats in MAME, which I rarely do, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to see what would happen, see if maybe there was a kill screen or something, and that's pretty much how I discovered that uh, the-, the round numbers and the bonus counters had those display bugs, but what I did was, just to speed things up, I did the option that MAME has where you can accelerate the game by like 10 times or whatever it is. <laughs> Maximum speed. So I I don't remember what it's called on there, but I use that option. If you collide in turbo, your car makes a crashing sound and it kind of bounces all over the road, but then you start up racing again. I don't think, I don't think you uh, have a set number of lives in turbo. I could be wrong. I think it's one of those games where you have to achieve a goal and a time limit. Yeah. 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 Like you can keep crashing all you want, but you're not going to, your game is not going to be over because you reach your maximum your, your maximum crashes. Oh yeah, and uh, one thing with 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 Turbo, I don't th- I don't think you mentioned this. If because I haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, I, okay, just let, let me finish what I'm saying. Well, why did you do Come that? On. So yes, yeah, yeah, do that. But something that I found happened that I in the accelerated mode in Mame that I could not replicate in regular everyday playing was my car would explode at random times, like a big boom. Really? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? No. I it's almost as if the car burnt out or something. It just had an explosion. And I could never replicate that during normal gameplay. I can only do that with sheets huh. enabled. He blowed up real good. With the acceleration up all the way, both on the car and in the main settings. So I'm wondering what that is. I wonder if that's some kind of uh, hidden explosion that was in there that was meant to be triggered by something but never was but there's some kind of defect or something i mean i don't know i don't know tis a puzzlement or i'm actually tis a vexation there we are yeah we don't want rogers and hammerstein like suing us so yeah i'm glad you changed that thank you and uh so yeah i found that very interesting and might as well talk about home ports interestingly all the actual home ports that i could find were by Coleco. There was one for Intellivision. And something that just stuck out to me, I looked at the Intellivision version. It looks like a child's finger painting. But then when I think about it, a lot of Intellivision games look like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, the thing with Intellivision, they always were like, oh, our games look much better than Atari 2600. But when it comes to arcade ports, there were some arcade ports on the 2600 that looked way better than the Intellivision version. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you're not. Well, no, I'm not. I'm an Atari boy. <laughs> yeah. I, I I had fun playing in television at my cousin's house before when I back in the early eighties, but when I got my own in television just like ten years ago, I was like, this is no fun at all. There's like five or six games on Intellivision that Maybe I would like to have. For me. But- oh man, I know what well, we probably just lost a Patreon sponsor. Oh no. <laughs> that but I will I had do have to say though, I don't have much experience with the Intellivision platform i i had been looking to get one in television flashback just to get some experience but you know we'll leave it at that 
But anyway, uh, Coleco also, now here's a shocker. Coleco also did a turbo for ColecoVision. No, really? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Did they do it Coleco for the did CBS ColecoVision? ColecoVision? I don't know. Nah, I don't know. All I know is ColecoVision. Hmm. And it looks kind of like the arcade version. Something I noticed about ColecoVision games, uh, arcade ports at least, is they tend to not have multicolor sprites. No, they don't. As multicolored as. Because it, it, suffers because from, uh, it suffers from flickering like the Atari 2600 does. Yeah, so they also look kind of like child's finger painting, but much higher resolution and uh, much better perspective, Ooh, I think. I just realized uh, another interesting coinky dink between the Turbo Uh-oh. Arcade and the Turbo on the ColecoVision. Do tell. Uh, you were saying, uh, what was what was the guy's name? Uh, Steve, Steve Hanawa. Uh, Steve Hanawa also worked on the uh, Sega Master System. The uh, ColecoVision actually has hardware uh, that can be emulated by... Uh, Sega Master System emulators. Uh, they're similar hardware to the SG-1000, which is uh, the basis for the Sega Master System. Yeah. There's a tangent for you. Interesting, though, I think. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, Coleco also did a version for the Atari 2600, but it was never actually released. I don't think it was ever actually finished, either. No, uh, in fact, um, the uh, there's the prototype for the Atari 2600 uh, was found uh, years ago. Yeah. On uh, and uh, the round was posted on Atari Age, and we'll uh, have a link to that in the show notes. Yes, it's, it's partially playable, it's partially playable, and um, it, it goes kind of haywire after a couple of minutes, right? Yeah, but uh, and uh, I think you can only uh, it, the, it was a really early prototype, you have to push right on the controller to get it to accelerate for some reason, but again, it's real huh. early, it looked really good though. Um, for what yeah, it, was. it did look surprisingly good for what it was. I was like, this, you know, this wouldn't have been half bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Oh, by the way, there was there was also a um, turbo clone for the Commodore sixty four, and it was called Death Race sixty four. Oh, neat! And of course, you know what Death Race was, right? That was that uh, movie from uh, from the seventies, starring Sylvester Stallone, produced or maybe directed by Roger Corman. Oh, I don't know. Wasn't there an arcade game called Death Race that was highly controversial? Yes, there was. That was by Exidy, I believe. Yeah, it was uh, controversial because it displayed stick figures being killed by, uh, run over by cars and being killed. Now, didn't they call and them technically robots or drones or something? Gremlins. Gremlins, that's what it was. Yeah. Well, actually, when all the controversy came out, the reps from Exidy said, oh, they're gremlins. It's okay. Yeah. And they turned to crosses. Yeah. Uh, hide, drop the da 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 replacement in there. I love this new da 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 because I did hear from at least one person, <coughs> excuse me, ah, something in my throat there, that the da 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 thing is overdone, like in general, not just by us, but by everybody in the world. Yeah. So, uh, I, I said hi right to a new version of that. We're putting that in the uh, soundboard for when that's back working. Uh, and there was also, and this is something I don't think I ever knew until I researched for this episode. There was a turbo board game by Bilton, B- Bilton, 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 Bilton Bradley, Bradley in 1983. I want to think I knew that. I want to think I knew that, but I know I'd be wrong. Huh. Oh, this is but, interesting. Huh. Uh, I, I should have known this. Uh, the score on turbo. It's not actually yeah. not on the display. Oh, yeah. It's got a, it's a LED panel L- L- to the yeah, left. LED, like, uh, like Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. Yep. That we we talked about another other game games like that, that too. have that. I don't. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But yeah, <sighs> yeah, all right. Yeah, red LED panel off to the left on the uh, thingy. 
Singy. And yeah, um, so I guess I should uh, go on to our usual question. Uh, Jimmy G, where did you first see and or play uh, Turbo? Tell us about that experience. I honestly don't 100% remember. It was either, I know it was at an Aladdin's Castle, but it was either the one at Lincoln Mall. It might not have been in Aladdin's Castle at the time I saw it at Lincoln Mall, now that I think about it. it might have been. What was the other uh, one that had the, the bumper cars? It was the same company, uh, essentially, but it was a different name. Le Mans Speedway. Le, that's it. It might have been Le Mans Speedway or Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall, or it might have been the Aladdin's Castle on the campus of, the, of Northern Illinois University. So it was either at the Le Mans Speedway slash Aladdin's Castle at the Lincoln Mall or the Aladdin's Castle at on the campus of Northern Illinois University. It was one of uh, those two places, I think. I'm, I'm pretty darn sure that I first saw it and played it at Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall myself. And I know exactly that I stopped playing it once pole position came in because I was like, oh, this is the new one here. No, I had to have seen it before the uh, the Northern Illinois University because I remember wait a minute no no might it might have been that one yeah you know, I this is this is one of the games I really don't remember where I first played it might you know it could have been putt putt too now that I think about it although I don't think they had this one let's just leave it at that I don't remember <laughs> well thing is like it was easy for me because I never went to arcades except at the Lincoln Mall mm-hmm. so it's pretty much everything I played was either at the Kroger or the Lincoln Mall, Bally's Aladdin's Castle, maybe Venture by Lincoln Mall, or maybe that thing. Or, actually, I've also been to that Stargaze arcade that was uh, near Kroger and Showbiz Pizza, but I don't really remember what I played at Showbiz Pizza or Stargaze. You know, so, it, it occurs hey. to me, I want to think I've seen Turbo uh, back in the golden era of the arcades um, in non-arcade locations, too, like in... Uh, like in department stores you said you may have you've you played games at kroger i don't think you said necessarily this one um no and i want to think i've seen this at at uh, a few uh at a few laundromats i don't consider oh, this i can see this being a laundromat game i would i wouldn't really go as far as saying it's a laundromat game i think you're uh i think you you're right you could see it as being a laundromat game but i this had a had a wider uh it didn't have a whole ton of machines but it had a, maybe a better more diverse distribution. Let's put it that way. Hmm. And I know I've played it recent in recent years. It might've been at uh, underground retrocade. And I just remember thinking like when I recently played it, I was thinking, man, this isn't how I remember it. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's that I remember it better. Or if I remember it worse, to be quite honest, but all I know is when I played it to prep for this episode, I was like, you know what? This is actually kind of fun. The only problem is if you are really, really good at turbo, it gets repetitive. Yeah. And it gets it, it, it gets boring. It really does. Uh, by the way, I am not good at turbo at all. Me neither. The only reason I know about the repetitivityness is that I enabled cheats. Yeah, I did that a little bit too. You know who is good who? at uh, turbo? Why do or at least was good. Um Mace Treesman. You know how Mace. I know? How do you know? It's, well, Mace scored 223,139 according to Twin Galaxies, and that was verified July 1st, 1983 by referee. Oh, nice. And that was easy settings, which means uh, easy difficulty, three bonus cars. Uh, Twin Galaxies also tracks hard difficulty, one bonus car. You, you do get an occasional bonus, I should have mentioned. 
uh, Jamie Cahill has the hard difficulty record at 38,526, which was verified November 26, 2008 by video submission. And if we move over to the uh, other, or one of the other scoreboards, that'd be Orcade.com. Hard difficulty, one bonus, one bonus car, Orcade.com shows Steve Wagner, or to be Wagner, uh, scoring 41,260, which was performed November 18th, 2016 at Fun Spot. And for easy difficulty, three bonus cars, Tony DeRose scored 49,000. 95, which is significantly lower than what Mace Treesman did. But Tony scored that 49,095 on August 22nd, 2016 at Galloping Ghost Arcade. Nice. Those scores are way better than I could ever do with this game. Yeah, I'm not good at this one either. And uh, there. I'm not good at transitioning tonight. No, no, you're not. No. Well, or there you ever, are. Really. I'll let her open yeah. up. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Drop the mystery science theater joke. So, um, how about we? Oh, you know, we should probably rate this game. Sure, why not? How many can? How many continues do you, Jimmy G, rate Turbo? I give it a three. I also give it a three. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's also not the most exciting thing in the world, and it gets old pretty easily if you have any kind of skill with it. And you know, and it just occurs to me that. Um, Turbo was actually released on the 2600. It's a little Activision game called Enduro. Enduro. It's basically the same game. Actually, I think Enduro... I, all right, here's the thing. I have only played Enduro on my flashback portable. I I, ha- I think I have the cartridge. Even then, I have, a, I have a Harmony card. I could play it on a real 2600. But it doesn't play properly on a flashback portable. But I actually like it better than Turbo. <laughs> I actually think it's a better game. I think I like it about the same. I was never a huge uh, fan of Enduro, and I know a lot of people are going to see that as blasphemy, but I don't know. To me, it was just a big so what. I, I didn't care. I mean, I appreciate what they did with it, but I, it just didn't grab me, I guess. I don't know. Although I did like the scenes in that game where it was like at night or in the fog because it's easier to dodge the uh, the taillights than it was the full car that you were trying to race. But um, yeah, not... Uh, not a huge fan of that, but yeah, I mean, Turbo is a, is a fine-looking game, I guess. It, it it seems messy to me, I guess, in a way. You know, graphically, uh, you know, sound is fine, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it 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 just doesn't it just doesn't grab me. I don't hate the game, but I don't play it either. So yeah, yeah I I, three is well, well, the best is, I can I do, do on it. I do tend to like racing games. I tend I tend to like racing games, but. That's weird. I tend to like racing video games, but I don't care to like, I don't care for real racing. Like, I don't care to like turn on the TV or go to, say, Chicago Land Motor Speedway and watch people drive around in an oval counterclockwise. Driving 500 miles in a circle does not impress me. George Carlin. Yeah, I ripped that off of George Carlin. Wow, I mean, the, the, the transitioning tonight is just amazing well, you know what this lineys that i'm having is about a year old so it might have lost the alcohol might have lost a lot of its power but hey max power so i'm going all out on my pop culture references this will be the ready player one episode just doing my pop go. culture references which i still haven't re- i still haven't read the book yet i haven't either but 
But then again, I'm not really much of a fiction fan, so hey. I can't remember what the last fiction book I read was. I think the last couple I read that were fiction-ish were like, well, they weren't really fiction. It was like, I, I, I don't know. I think it was the White Mountains uh, trilogy of four books. It was the last fiction I read. Yeah. Well, anyway. hey, having said that, I think this yeah. we can... Um, I th- I'm trying to think of a witty uh, thing uh, other than blender or door. Um, let me see. Um, no, uh, we can. I think we can. We can now um, spin out Turbo and move on to another game. Oh, that was lame, but I don't care. It's done. What I said has been done, and you can't take it back. So, uh, what do you say, Jimmy G? Should we talk about a other game? We've both rated Turbo 3 continues out of 5. Yes, we did. And so, I get to talk about the next game. Well, what is that next game, though? Huzzah! It's iRobot. Well, huzzah, iRobot. Ah, uh, yes. Huh. It, I found some interesting things about this game as I was researching it, but uh, it's copyright 1983 Atari, but... Uh, apparently was released in 1984, which is uh, interesting, as we will find out for a few reasons here. Um, oh, it's, uh, it was only released in an upright cabinet. It's uh, one player at the same time. In fact, it's the same cabinet they use for Firefox, uh, just a different control s- scheme. Uh, in this game, your character is uh, Interface Robot 1984, and uh, the object is to defeat the Eye, or Big Brother, uh, in the game by... Well, running over every red spot on the three-dimensional playfield, or, uh, you know, shooting all of the tetrahedrons in the space sequence or whatever. Or, if you would rather, you could spend uh, three minutes and play uh, draw on the screen in Doodle City, the ungame. Uh, when you put your token in, you get oh, a choice, yes. choice of playing either the iRobot game or just doodling. And... Uh, I found some interesting things about that. I played that a few times in the, when I've seen this game in the arcade, but uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. It's a uh, controls are you know just an analog joystick with uh, the shoot button and your one and two. Oh, I didn't realize it was analog. Yeah, that kind of makes sense though, actually. Yeah, uh, analog uh, joystick. It's got your firing button and it's got uh, your player one and two start buttons. Normally, I don't mention that, but uh, the one and two player start buttons actually have a, a unique feature in this game. Uh, I'll get to that again in just a moment. But um, they're basically four different screens. Uh, you got like a, a 3D platform game where uh, it's, uh, was it first person? Fr- I can't remember, first person or third person perspective where you see your character in front of you. I think it's third person perspective. If it's first person, you don't see your character yeah, that's at true. all. Yeah, so it's third person perspective. And um, you're guiding your robot over these landscapes. And uh, for the first 26 levels... Uh, you have to run over all the red blocks, and each one uh, defeats a shield that is guiding the eye, which is uh, on a like kind of a pyramid thing in in the distance. And um, the eye thing pops out every three to seven seconds, depending on the level. And if it's red, when you well, jump, I I would I wouldn't say pops out necessarily because that might give people a bad visual. It it, it doesn't pop it out appears. of a socket. It just kind of appears. It just there kind of go. appears, like every three to seven seconds, depending on the level. And if it's uh, iris is red, it will shoot you if you're jumping. Now I notice I didn't say that there is a jump button. Uh, you can basically jump between uh, platform levels just by moving off of the platform, which yes. is. Uh, Kind of a nice thing, although it can be a little bit frustrating, too. I did notice that if you start a jump, 
and you just jump a little bit and you let off the joystick, you'll just go back to where you were. You won't finish the jump. So you got a little uh, little play there, which is uh, kind of nice. But um, And it also kind of tells you when you can jump. Too. Like, it'll say, okay, you're at this place. That means to get over here, you can jump. And that's something that's nice about it, too, is yeah. if, uh, if you can't jump, It'll, it'll it, there's like a little uh, like little rumbly sound effect it'll make. Uh, however, if you can jump to another area, the uh, the block uh, uh, directly across from it will flash white, so you can see where you're going to land, which uh, makes the game a little more uh, a, a lot more playable actually. Let's see, and on these uh, sometimes on these levels, these 3D platform levels, you will have like little transporters that you can go into and go certain however many levels up. I think you can only go up to like level 73, something like that. That's further down in my notes. Uh, maybe 79. Yeah, level 79. And um, yeah, so and then once you get all of the uh, all of the red blocks, with the exception of the last one, uh, you can jump to the to the pyramid, and the last red block is there. You hit that, and one of two things will happen. It'll either destroy the eye, which I love the sound when you destroy the eye and then you jump onto the uh, onto the top of the pyramid thing. That is a really one of that is one of my favorite uh, favorite sounds in video game. Uh, and the visual of the eye exploding is actually kind of neat too. It really is. Yeah. Um, the, the, oh, I forget to mention this game is uh, is a is kind of a vector game, even though it's a raster monitor. It's got the vectors, but everything is filled in. It's th- it's it's this is. This is really 3D uh, without 3D glasses, I guess, in a way, uh, in a way of saying, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's you really got to see it. It's uh, it's 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 interesting. Oh yeah, and then uh, you either destroy the the eye there, or it'll there will be a door on the pyramid, and you can go into there, and you have to touch all the gems, and then hit the last red block in there to destroy the eye. Destroying the eye in that sequence isn't as uh, as impressive. But uh, it's still it's still kind of fun. When you go into the fortress, like I said, you got to get all of the gems, and then hit the last red block to destroy the eye in there. Sometimes there will be blocks you have to to shoot to destroy, but you have to make it through there fast because there's like a gear that eats up the playfield, and uh, you know it could uh, it can eat you too. So, uh, oh, is that a threat? It was a threatening promise. Ugh. I and I was going like to say that. this this area, which I call the control area. This is every third level. This will come up. This screen comes up. Then after this, you got a space level. The space level comes in two different varieties. There's the first space level where you have to shoot all of the uh, where you shoot all of the tetras for bonus points. But there's other enemies. You got these uh, gigantic like. It's really hard to explain this game because this is this this game more so than any other game we've talked about. Really is. Geometric. I mean, really, the geometry in this game is just incredible. In fact, I heard uh, heard that they had to make a special math coprocessor for this game uh, just to keep track of like all of the vectors and everything going on in yeah, it. Yeah, that's not a surprise. No, not at all. This is an intricate game when it comes to its graphics. It might not look like it, you know, if you look at today's games, but uh, it, this was for the time was very intricate. And um, so, yeah, you got to shoot the te- these things called tetras. They're like little floating triangles, and then you got these gigantic like dodecahedron. Well, they're, they're not triangles; they're tetrahedrons. Well, yeah, tetrahedrons. That's right. They're called tetras. Solid. Right. They look like triangles, but they're, they're not. not exactly. But then you also have these asteroids, and then you got um, other enemies in this sequence. Um, if you fly out of the area of space you should be in, you get these saucers that come after you. Eventually, you'll have things called. Uh, um, <laughs> tankers and spikers, 
Uh, yeah, there's going to be a connection here to another game uh, in a few minutes. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Yes. So, uh, so tankers and spikers, um, you can, if you shoot one of those, they come right for you. Uh, the spikers can be destroyed, but they take a bazillion hits. You can lure them into the, into the asteroids. After about six or seven levels, maybe it's even further than that, the, uh, if you, you have to shoot all the Tetris, otherwise they will come and track you down and destroy you. Unless, you uh, hover near an asteroid, and it will run into the asteroid for you. Uh, and then every now and then, I don't think on the first level, but I think every space level after that, there will be like a letter and a comma. And if you spell iRobot, you get, uh, uh, I can't remember if it's like big bonus points or a free life. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm laughing because this is totally new to me. It just shows you how well I perform in this game. Yeah, I, I've been able to do it uh, a few times. I've played this game quite a bit over the years, and I've kind of... Uh, so, but so there is that. Uh, there is one other uh, space sequence, and this happens every fourth space sequence. Is uh, you get to fight Big Brother, and first of all, I have to say this uh, before I go any further. I was going to save this for the trivia section, but the game is called iRobot. The first thing you're thinking of is oh, Isaac Asimov's uh, robots novel, you know, iRobot and Robots and Foundation and whatever, which I've never read any of those. This game has more in common with George Orwell's 1984 than it does with iRobot, uh, actually, because, it's, you know, night, your robot's called 1984. It's got a giant eye watching you, and there is a character in this called Big Brother. So, yeah, I would say it's more in common with 1984, which I have read, uh, than iRobot. But <clears throat> So, yeah, you fight Big Brother in space. Uh, basically, he just keeps shooting spikes at you, and you have to shoot every spike however the head turns. And uh, if it's it only shoots spikes at you if it's facing you. If you shoot the head, it will turn into the opposite direction. The idea is to keep the head facing away from you. And in this screen, you'll have uh, you'll also have tetras and uh, letters and um, and uh, asteroids will appear every now and then in this level as well. Oh, and at the end of each space level, you have to land onto the next three dimensional platform screen. And the further you play into the game, the smaller it gets. Uh, when you go into level two, it's got this huge, nice, wide area to land in, and then it gets a little bit smaller. To eventually, it's only wide enough to fit your uh, fit interface robot nineteen eighty four. So that's interesting. the uh, The head, the, the the Big Brother screen lasts only like about twenty or thirty seconds. It's not that long, but uh, it's still enough to cause you some issues. Oh, by the way, uh, I might as well bring this here now. But uh, this game was also designed by Dave Thurer. Through, 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 oh, through. that name sounds familiar. What did Tempest. you do besides Tempest? Aha. Uh -huh. And you see, ta you have tankers and spikers. You have a transporter, uh -huh. which you can select your beginning level up to a certain number of levels. And after so many levels, the color palette changes. Uh, the first 26 levels in the game is a blue background with red target blocks. 27 through 52 are green black background with yellow uh, target blocks. 53 to 78 blue target blocks. Uh, level 79 and up has magenta targets, which I don't remember what the uh, the background colors are. But, uh, oh, yeah, and the game has a timer. Uh, you must collect all of the target spaces before the timer runs out. Now, talk a little bit about Doodle City, which is an alternate uh, thing for this game, which this is this is interesting. I don't know of the closest I know of any arcade having game having something similar is a game called Quantum, which was also by Atari, which was uh, they hmm. got through uh, GCC as part of the uh, Missile Command lawsuit. 
And uh, that allows you to oh, actually yes. draw your initials if you got like the high score for the day. But Doodle City is it's, – it's, it's what it is. It's a drawing program. You can cycle through all of the, the uh, elements of the game, like your robot, the enemies uh, – you know, the big brother head, whatever. You can paint with them. You can make them rotate. There's, it even records uh, some of your... There's even an option to record what you've been drawing in the thing and then play the recording back. I mean, it's kind of pointless once your game is over. I mean, that's it. It's gone. But it's still kind of neat that this ar- this arcade game has that as a feature. Yeah, right. Um, now, a token will get you uh, three minutes of drawing time. However, you can go back into the... Um, into uh, into playing the game iRobot. However, for each minute you've played in Doodle City, you lose a life in iRobot. So if you've gone one minute, you only have two lives to start instead of, say, three, which I... Th- is it three lives is the, the default? I think... S- I could be wrong on that. I think it is. I, and I did notice, it's not obvious, but when you're in the transporter in iRobot, in the game portion... Uh, if you hit to the right, you'll you'll cycle up through the levels. However, if if you're at the absolute lowest level, you push to the left and hold it there, it will let you go into Doodle City from that point. So you can get into uh. Doodle City from the game as well, but only on screens that have the transporter. I just what I I just recently found out about the record function within the last couple of weeks. I did not know it had that. But um yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, well, did you ever use the Doodle City in the arcade? Yes, a few yeah. times. Really? Curiosity. Pure curiosity has absolutely no point, but it was still kind of fun to to play with some of that stuff. This game really has some really amazing sound in it. I like I said, I really love that sound effect of when you jump onto the pyramid. I love the sound of when the uh, the head shoots the spikes at you. It's just it's just awesome. Uh, I really love the sound effect. But I'm only the things I've t- talked about about the gameplay only really scratches the surface. First of all, I'm not even going to go into really into much of the scoring. Maybe I'll get into some of the bonuses, but because the scoring really varies. This is one of those games that actually uses all of the places in a score. The scores don't end in zero and five. You could have oh, like awesome. 129,997 points. In fact, there's one bonus for killing the uh, the eye in the uh, in the fortress sequence where uh, you can actually get 999 bonus points. Huh. So, uh, so that's kind of kind of neat. Most games, um, unless it's like a racing game from that era, you know, are like zeros and fives for the most part. Most part, but um, I tried going through the game and uh, like cataloging as many of the different enemies or things that can kill you in this game. Okay, first of all, you got the tetrahedrons, which we've talked about. The the Big Brother had polygons of different shapes and sizes. Literally, they're hard to really uh, to quantify or talk about. There are rings. There's this one screen where this, there's a set of rings that go back and forth and up and down. If you get caught in it, it'll kill you. Birds, which are uh, one of the things that you will see most often. Tiny roaming pyramids, bombs, um, soccer balls. And there's this one screen, I think it's like the sixth or seventh screen, where there's like two areas in the middle of the play field. you got to shoot a bunch of the walls down. And it shoots these soccer ball-looking bombs toward you. And um, they will actually destroy parts of the walls that uh, you can shoot. So, uh, and in fact, in a later level, you have to do that to get uh, to get past it. And there's this one screen, for no reason I can think of whatsoever, where you have to dodge sharks. 
With freaking laser beams on their freaking heads. They might as well have. They're polygonal sharks. And it has a really great, uh, almost Jaws-like sound effect on that screen as well, which is which is awesome. But yeah, I was, uh, I remember first time I saw the sharks, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, this game is really bizarre. Um, it, it's really bizarre. But uh, as far as uh, points go, if you get the best time on a platform sequence or the best score... In the space sequence, you get 20, uh, 2,500 points. Uh, however, only if you go through the level without getting killed. Then let's see. Uh, if we go to the transporter, you get a 20,000 point bonus per level skipped if you complete the platform that you transported to. Uh, as I said previously, you can only get to level 79 that way. Oh, yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, 999 bonus points for shooting all the Tetras. Um, and then, of course... Uh, I'd mentioned the player one and two button having an alternate function in this game. It changes your viewpoint by pressing the, I believe the one, the one button lowers the view to where you can be like right behind the robot. You basically seeing what the robot sees. And if you hit the player two, it kind of angles the view out to where you can actually get to like almost a top down view. And the lower the view, the higher a bonus you get. If, if you look, if, you set the view to being basically above, you get a 0.5 times bonus multiplier. However, if you like right behind the robot, you can get a two times multiplier for uh, for your points, for your scoring. And uh, that's fun to play around with that. Um, the only other game I've seen in the arcade that has a similar thing is uh, Sega's uh, Daytona USA uh, racing game uh, has a similar thing, although it works differently. It has like four different buttons uh, for four different viewpoints. And one uh, one more thing about the transporters. They will appear on levels 1, 3, and 4, but they only appear on, like, uh, f- on I think, 4 if you didn't previously use a transporter. So, uh, so there's that. And uh, this is not a very successful game for Atari. Uh, the game was a, a, apparently was originally called Ice Castles. Uh, Atari only made, like, 700, 750 cabinets of this game. They only sold 500 uh, it wasn't a very popular game because people were like confused by the gameplay. But if you really just play it a little bit, it's really not that difficult to pick up. But I can see where people would get, uh, would get would get confused of it. There is a rumor that thousands of iRobot machines are, uh, were dumped into the Pacific Ocean. Really? Which is kind of weird, seeing as they only made 750 cabinets. <laughs> so, uh, so Why would they that. waste cabinets like that? Why would you? I would, I would, I would buy one from them for two hundred bucks if they're going to just toss it in the ocean. Because I love. What if they weren't? How how much would you pay? Uh, But wait, there's more. It's not sold in any store. So because this game wasn't uh, very popular, there were no sequels, no home ports, so to speak. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, There is a prototype they found of this game for, of all systems, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. And I've played it, and they. It's 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 interesting what they did with it. Let's just leave it at that. And actually, you can get the ROM off of Atari Age. We'll link to that. Wait, image. which ROM? The ROM for iRobot. For what system? The twenty six hundred. Twenty six. Yeah, I've played it, and it was amazing what they've done with it. We'll link to that in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was no, no. I mean, it was not a popular game, and which means I could play it all to myself when I play it every time at the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall. Huh. I, I'm surprised that iRobot wasn't more popular. 
The thing was, it was way too groundbreaking, though. I, again, like I said, a lot of people just did not know what to do with it. I mean, it was it was it was unlike anything else they saw at the time. Uh, there there was that whole thing about that game Polybius, you know, being this thing, and if Polybius was a real game, now there is a game called Polybius, but that was after the fact, after the rumors and and urban legends and all that. It was based on the urban legend. The urban legend wasn't based on that. But if there was a Polybius game, this I think would have been it, because it's just weird. This is let's let's be honest. This is a weird game. It's not really easy to categorize what kind of a game it is. Is it a platformer? Is it a space shooter? What is it? It's yet another change of color game. It is. It's, what What is it with our... I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, by no. the way, but it seems to me there are a lot of arcade games where you have to change the color. You know, of course, you got Cubert, Crush Roller slash... Uh, Oh, make what tracks. the heck? What, what are the make tracks? Yeah. Um, Amadar, and I'm sure there are kicks. others. I'm the, kicks. That's well. Sort yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Kicks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Miss Miss World 96 Nude. Yeah, that's not about changing color unless the color is changing to red because well, yeah, of embarrassment. Okay, it's changing the picture. That's what it is. I mean, it's a, it's it's a standard trope, just like eating dots and shooting aliens. I mean, there's only there's only so many like like I've heard saying there's only so many actual plots in literature and film, but and it's the same thing with video games. There's only so many different I don't know plots in video games, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, so. or or that. But um, so they had this at the uh, at the Aladdin's Castle at the LJM. Huh? They did. It, when did they have it? It was in the front. It was near the front no, of when, the arcade. When? Oh, when? Um, I want to think eighty four. Okay, think yeah, that was before my time. Yeah, because I didn't. I hadn't even been to Joliet yet at that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was. I, I played this game a lot, and um, but uh, I'm gonna hold off on my. Uh, you probably are from the way I'm talking about this game. Probably already know what I'm gonna rate it, but I might actually surprise you. In uh, oh, in might you? Now. I might, but. Um, that is iRobot. Uh, I read a story that there, uh, when this game was made, and I don't have this in my notes, but I recall some of it, that Atari wasn't actually uh, paying their, uh, they're, they're, they're paying, uh, what was the story? Basically, uh, to make sure that, uh, that the the people designing the machines got more money, they would uh, test different chips, uh, put one in, see if it failed. If it did, toss it out. And they would just keep doing that uh, with the game. <laughs> it was a, uh, I should have wrote the story down. It was it was actually a little bit longer, but uh, but yeah, they were doing stuff like that to maximize the amount of money they made off of the game. So uh, yeah, but hey, do we have high scores for this game? Hey, let's see what the high scores are according to Twin Galaxies. Twin Galaxies only tr- does one main track, and that's default settings, and that's Doodle Dave City. Ryan- Oh wait, Dave Ryan scored a million three hundred eighty-three thousand wow. nine hundred and fifty-nine, and that was verified by referee on June twenty-six, nineteen eighty-six. And I have to say, that's an achievement because this is a hard game. It it really is. Uh, by the way, what's your highest score in Doodle City? <laughs> uh, I recorded a video for fifteen seconds. Ooh. Orcade.com shows James Redding as having the high score. Uh, with 104,591, and that was uh, performed at Grinker's Grand Palace in Eagle, Idaho during Grink Fest 2. I have to ask, you, you probably don't 15. You probably don't know the answer to this, but is that using the transporter or going straight through? Um, hold on a sec. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da
doesn't say. <sighs> okay, so yeah. Um, congratulations, James Redding. Congratulations. Arcade.com only lists four locations. I was going to ask so, you about that. Yeah, there's the Game Preserve in Spring, Texas. Um, Grinker's Grand Palace, like we just said. Uh, International Center for the History of Electronic Games in Rochester, New York. Might have to make a trip there. Ooh, I wonder if Tim Christ has ever been there. Um, Shoebox, if you're listening, tell us. Um, and Pinball PA and Alakipa PA. I want to play this in an arcade cabinet again real soon. I know this has got to be on Doc Mac's list of get games to get if he doesn't have it already. He, if he has it, he hasn't told anybody. He, he's a man of secrets, though. Let's, let's oh, yeah. Honest, but, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And the thing is, I've never seen the I've never heard of iRobot until you brought it up when we started doing this podcast couple of years ago yeah, this and firefox were the two games i really wanted to talk about and firefox was one of the first was one one of the first ones we talked about in like the first three episodes the first two or something yeah. so it was real early on and the thing is i played irobot on my gpd xd and that's a really good platform to play it on and uh surprisingly i mean you wouldn't it, the nature of this game it doesn't look like it's conducive to handhelds but it really does work pretty well i was having a blast i absolutely loved it this i sucked at it but man I, it was so so much fun i was thinking about this game uh and all of the games we've talked about doing during this podcast and uh, first of all <laughs> spoiler i'm rating this a five thinking about it this is probably my all-time favorite arcade game Really? Now it could just be you know rose-colored glasses. It could be due to the, due to the fact that I haven't seen an arcade machine since I saw it at the Louis Joliet Mall. I've seen pretty much could almost be. everything else since then, exception of Firefox. But I absolutely love this game. I mean, it has its flaws. Everything has its flaws, but I just have so much fun with this game. And it's the the, the visuals are amazing for its time. The sound effects are are uh, amazing, and with all of the bells and whistles, it's really pretty simple gameplay. I could go on and on about this game. This is an amazing game. I just love this. This was this game for its time was well for when it was released, as I said before, was was way ahead of its time, and I can see why it failed. But man, the people that didn't play it were missing out. This is a great, great game. And um I hope an arcade in the Chicago area gets this game real soon. Because I want to play this in the arcade again. Well, I'll tell you what, next time the both of us are in an arcade, I will bring my GPD XD so you can play it in an arcade. Why, thank you very much, my good man. So, what are you going to rate the game? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to rate iRobot a very strong 4 out of 5 continues. Again, this was brand new to me. I'd never seen it before. I had to do a little bit of research because I had no idea what I was doing. But once I learned what the object was, I was like, man, this is so much fun. And the, frust the frustrating things about it are very minor frustrating. It's not angering frustrating. I hate. I, I do. I get frustrated with the uh, with the, with the Big Brother head sequence uh, because sometimes I just cannot shoot every spike. But once you get the hang of that, it's it's it it eases up. But as I said, this game gets really difficult. I had to put cheats on to get to level twenty six, and uh, then realized, holy crap, this you know it changes colors. I mean, and then I realized, oh, Dave Thurer worked on it, and then saw all of the parallels to Tempest. Well, not parallel to all the things that had in common with Tempest. And um, it's it's just stunning. And uh, it, the cabinet, 
I mean, like I said, it was the the same one they used for Firefox. It was really unlike pretty much anything else in the arcade at the time. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't look like a standard cabinet. And um, yeah, I mean, if this isn't my all time favorite arcade machine, it's really, really close to being it. And Uncle Pooh would be your next one, then. Well, yeah, and then uh, Miss World New ninety six, of course, or ninety five, so, or whatever they call yeah. it. Tinkle Pit. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? That's, I forgot. Yeah, Tinkle Pit's my number one favorite arcade game of all time. This is number two. Of course. No, actually, Uncle Pooh would be number two. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for many different reasons, actually. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So, um, hey, I guess uh, we can... That's that's all I had to say about uh, iRobot myself. And I still and, can't uh, believe that they made a prototype for the Atari 2600. I just cannot believe they did I, that. I need to check that thing out. I really Seriously, do. it's amazing what they did with it. So I guess we should probably reveal the theme. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you want I? Sh- no, actually, I don't. I don't. I I don't really remember the theme very well, especially because we were delayed by a week, so they gave me more time to forget. Sure. So, uh, Jimmy G, I'm going to offer as as this episode's host, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to reveal the theme. All right. Well, these are games that actually have some uh, prototypes on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh-huh. And we will link to both of those in the show notes so that you can download them and play them. Indeedly dooly dooly. And uh, so that that's uh, episode 73 and uh I guess we're going to have an episode 74, right? We are. Yeah, and uh, also I think I should explain things. Uh, we're going to change things up a bit here on Pie Factory Podcast, nothing we haven't done before. You may remember if you've been listening to us ever since the beginning, we used to be a weekly podcast, now we're only, say, semi-monthly. Now we're bi. No, we're semi. Oh, okay. And uh, we're going to make one more change, I think, at least for the time being. I don't know if this is going to be permanent, just something we're going to try out. Basically, just to help us keep our wits whatever wits we have. Not every episode is going to be the usual two games in a theme format. We're going to switch it up. Like every other episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. And then basically we're going to alternate between something different and the usual. Like we're going to go back and forth basically. You know, in the, in the words of the immortal blue oyster cult, burn out the day, burn out the night. And uh, did I ever tell you that somebody from their touring band was almost at our wedding? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. My my wife uh, was friends with uh, one of their uh, touring guitar players, I think. Wow. And she invited him. But there goes uh, Tokyo. Was, there goes Godzilla. He, he was uh, he was busy. But anyway, um, I think as he did I was tell saying, me that actually. Oh, now that I think about it, let's see. Oh yeah. For example, episode seventy four. We are not going to be talking about two video games that have a common theme. Instead, we're kind of going to have a Midwest gaming classic super special. For episode 74. What is that going to entail? Well, you're going to have to listen to find es out. Es muy grande especial. And since I can't speak Spanish very well, I'm going to assume he said, yes, it's going to be fun. <laughs> and uh, for episode 75, however, the two games we are going to discuss will be revealed after we go over some closing credits and give credit where credit is due. Haha. <laughs> so you have uh-huh. to sit through this before you find out. And uh, the people that I we're need setting to up thank. our listeners. Aha! I'm going to go reverse alphabetical order for this time, and I'm going to thank the following people: Richard Valdez. Thank you. Thank you. Underground Retrocade. Thank you. PJ Steele. Keith Sheehan. Thank you. 
Jonas Rulo, Mahalo. Thank you. Greg Polander. Thank you. Nate Lockhart. Thank you. Art Guglielmo. Thank you. Tim Foley. Thank you. Kyle Edder. Thank you. Michael D'Angelo. Thank you. Rory Coleman. Thank you. Atari Bites. Thank you. And D. Alex. Thank, thank, you. You all thank you all so much for your Patreon sponsorship. And uh, if you would like to help us out financially a little bit, give a buck or so or more every month and uh, help out this podcast, uh, keep listening. Our booth announcer will tell you how you can do that, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And also thank you to our friend Steve Tui at Tuiville.com. Give them a listen. Um, oh, by, I wonder how many of our Patreon sponsors we're actually going to see at Midwest I Gaming Classic. I know of at least one. I know of at least two, three, actually four. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I know. I know two. Yeah. And, um, or at least that's what I'm expecting at this point. But, uh, anyway, back to what episode 75 oh, is going to be the discussing. Way, uh, oh. Real quick. Uh, if you're going to be at Midwest gaming classic, uh, look us up. We're not quite 100% certain where we're going to be yet. Uh, but, um, it's going to be somewhere in the vendor hall. We know that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, what I'm going to say is uh, I'm thinking about just having a few people over to over uh, at the show, uh, maybe get some pizza or chip in for some pizza or something afterwards. If you're interested, let me know. All right. I might be interested. Huh. Well, there you go. Might, I might bring somebody with me, but. Uh, That's fine. Yeah. You, damn right. It's fine. Say fine. It is. Any, I, what the hell am I talking about? Man, I need I need a vacation. I need a break. I need sleep. So that's what I'm going to do after I tell what's going on with episode 75, which is two episodes from now. Episode 75, we will be talking about A, E, B, A, P, B, all points bulletin, and Super Pac-Man. I can't believe we haven't talked about Super Pac-Man. We still yet. got more Pac-Man games we got to talk about. We still, we still do. Yeah, we got at least three. Yeah, let's see. We got uh, let's see that one, that one, and what's the other one? Uh, Pac-Man plus Baby Pac-Man. Did we talk about Pac-Mania already? Yes, we did. And we, is that we it? Definitely. T- After yeah, I think Super that's Pac-Man? it. And uh, so, yeah, this is uh, episode 70, 73 coming to a close. Finally. Oh man, I just pulled it. I just pulled a Ryerson. My voice cracked. Uh, and Andy's got a smile on his face. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, anyway, um, oh, I hope we get to see those guys too. I said they were coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, this is. Uh, oh, what did I say? My name is uh, uh, Sean C. Sure, let's go with that. Sean C. Coming to you from uh, Pie Factory headquarters north in the city of Chicago. And you know me, Jimmy G. And uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I have to sign off with my uh, weekly uh, oxymoron. Um, 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 Stupid zit. No, no. Oh, I had I had one pre-selected and I suddenly forgot what it was. You did uh, Civil War already. Did you do? Did you? Did you? Have you done Jumbo Shrimp? That's too obvious. Yeah, that's true. It's too obvious. Um, 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 um. Dumb waiter. I don't know. No, no, no. That, that, that's too. That's too subjective. Um. See, I did clean coal already. I did Dodge Ram. Heck with it. Jumbo shrimp. Jumbo shrimp. Bye-bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. 
Opening and closing theme is The Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. And I suddenly forgot what I was about to say. Hey, that's that's what podcasting is all about. That's why this is a good thing. This is a podcast and not a live radio show. Oh shoot, it's not. No, no, I'm I'm sorry. You've lied to me. If I lied to you, then you knowingly swore over the air, and it could have cost us twenty five thousand dollar FCC fines multiple times. And man, I'm not going to be the one going out to find Patreon sponsors to cover that. That's your job at this point, bub. The FCC. Ah! <laughs>